Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck sticks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. How are you, folks? What's happening? Today on the show, back home, back in Los Angeles, uh, I have uh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin is on today's show, and I was uh, I was excited to talk to him. He's not easy to get on a show, and I got a kick out of him and learned some stuff. He was funny. I think we, I think we went pretty deep. I think it was, uh, it was good. But he is—he's much funnier than I thought he would be, and he, pretty uh, disarming dude that Josh Brolin, for a movie star guy. But anyways, yeah. So I got Josh Brolin coming up later. As you can tell, I'm not—I'm uh, not at home. I am still in the American South. I say that in a broad way, in a expansive way because i think we all think of uh we all have the way we think of the american south but uh i've been in birmingham uh for a few days now and i gotta say it's uh it's not bad man it's not bad there's good food down here the people are very nice um my experience has been limited because i'm working and i'm spending you know i wake up i go to work i come back i'm at the hotel but i've had some food i've been out there i'm working with a crew with some people from the area and uh, good people. And I've, I've told you over the years that my sense of the South or my judgment of the South or my stereotype that I've locked into in my head is, is not quite right. Uh, there are good people here. It is not just some festering racist conglomeration of uh, ex-Confederate states that uh, secretly want that back. I'm not saying everyone here is a mensch, but, uh, yeah, and there's some bad eggs around, I'm sure. But in my direct experience right in the last few days, which is very limited, I've uh, I've had a good experience. And the city feels okay. If we're going to go on a, a vibe thing, it seems like it's purged itself a bit. But it does seem that there is some peace and good-hearted folks in this town. That's what I, I have experienced. And I did, uh, I did take the ride. Um down to uh, Montgomery uh, to go to the uh, Peace and Justice Memorial, the National Memorial for Peace and Justice, and to uh, also go to the Legacy Museum. And uh, it blew my mind and it crushed my heart and it elevated uh, my soul just by being open to it and admitting 
uh, a profound level of ignorance. So I'm down here, and I, I know I don't remember where I read about the museum. I don't know, uh, you know how, how the images of it were in my head. I don't quite remember where I first saw it. It hasn't been open that long. It's only been open a bit, the museum and the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Some people are referring to it as the lynching monument. I, I, I don't know that's the way to refer to it. I, I, I think that the National Memorial for Peace and Justice is, is a nice way to do it. And then if someone goes, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I've, I ever know where that is. And then you say, it's in Montgomery, Alabama. And they're like, I, don't, I haven't heard of that, the lynching monument. Oh, right. Right, I think I, yeah, I heard, I saw pictures of that somewhere. So I would, I would wait. You, you know, don't just open with that because that's, that is what it is. Memorializing, uh, in the same way that the Holocaust memorial memorializes the attempted genocide of the Jewish people, this memorializes um, the legacy of enslaved black people people terrorized by lynching, African-Americans humiliated by racial segregation and Jim Crow, and people of color burdened with contemporary presumptions of guilt and police violence. Now, obviously I wasn't riffing that. I read that. I read that from the National Memorial for Peace and Justice website because I think you need to hear that. I think I need to hear that. So I didn't know what to expect. I drove down there. It's about an hour and a half. I didn't know what to anticipate, but I had seen images of the National Memorial for Peace and Justice, the lynching monument, and the images kind of blew me away. Just these large steel rectangles seemingly hanging from a, a, a large roof, but I didn't get a sense of what they were, or you know, obviously the, the, the reference to lynching is there, but I didn't know the weight. I didn't know the size. And you go, and uh, it's got to be as, as big as a few city blocks. It's a large space, and you just see this monument. You just see these hundreds of, of symmetrical uh, steel rectangles suspended from cylindrical pipes, but giving the illusion of, of, of hanging because that's what they represent. You know that's what it represents. So just seeing the sheer numbers of steel rectangles, large steel rectangles, they seem to be maybe 10 feet uh, tall and maybe uh, two feet wide, um, hundreds of them. And you know what it's about. You know what it's about from a distance and just the way it looks from a distance, you're like, God, holy shit. It's fucking devastating just the knowledge of what it represents from a distance. And that's powerful public art. You're not in it. You're not at it. It's 50, 60 yards away. And you're like, I don't even know if I can handle it. But you got to handle it. You see, I, I think I know things. I don't know a lot of things. I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know white history that well. I don't know black history. Certainly not that well. I'm ignorant. You know that it was horrible. You know that it happened. But do you know the scope? Do you know the states? Do you know the numbers? Do you know the reason? I don't know that I fully did. I don't know that I fully realized. It's certainly possible for me to learn, understand, 
wrap my brain around it as best I can and, and respect the struggle. You go to the monument, you walk through it, and you realize the numbers, and you realize the expanse of time. It, apparently, it documents more than 4,400 lynchings of black people in the United States between 1877 and 1950, and they identified 800 more than had been previously recognized. And, you know, you see these pictures. We grew up seeing some of the pictures and understanding. But to really look at the numbers and to really feel the weight of this, which this monument does, I mean, it's hard not to shudder and cry and just feel your heart crushed at the capacity for man's inhumanity to man. And that so many of these were public lynchings where people were invited, you know, thousands of people. Thousands of people. You see those horrible pictures of, you know, just a, a, a hanging body surrounded by white people, men, women, children, some of them laughing. And that's the biggest trip, you know, about that's the weight of, of being here is that you walk around here and you wonder, like, whose grandparents were in those pictures? You? Was it you? And then you walk around and you see African American people. And it's like, you know, whose grandparents are, whose names are on those columns? And, and this is America, and this is modern history. And uh, I, you know, I've been to Holocaust memorials in Israel and in D.C. You know, as a Jew, that's heavy, but nothing has affected me like this thing, like this um, monument, the National Memorial for Peace and Justice, because I needed to be kicked in my soul's head to understand and, and really take it in what black people have dealt with in this country. And I don't consider myself racist in any way. I, you know, I don't consider myself judgmental in that way. But I, I have to admit I was ignorant and that uh, I can't look at uh, culture the same way. I can't look at, you know, black people in the same way with the assumptions that I had any sense of, uh, you know, other than a, 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 just sort of like, yeah, I, I know it was hard and, you know, I know, yeah, the civil war, slavery and, but like, man, this puts it all into perspective and you go to this memorial and then you want to go to the museum. They're connected. You can get a combination ticket. You got to drive downtown to go to the museum. The museum is the legacy museum from enslavement to mass incarceration. So you go see the monument and that rips you wide open and then you go fill yourself up with the history and the information so you are, are forever aware, you are forever woke to, to the struggle of black people in this country. And this is history that everybody should know. Everybody should be deeply aware because most of us are ignorant because it is not our experience. And to, to, to educate yourself and humble yourself and find a respect in your heart and mind is, 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 is a, it should be a civic responsibility. And I think like, you, you know, you, you see this stuff and you just realize how, that there's something that just clicks in human people's brains. And there's something that just clicks in human animals' brains that completely enables them to slaughter 
fellow humans, to torture fellow humans, to kill with a smile fellow humans that are their neighbors in modern times. In this country, in other countries, there's something that just clicks. And if they're empowered, the shame goes away, the conscience goes away, and it just, it, it's on. And we are not free of that possibility. So obviously, I was, uh, I was blown away. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's worth a special trip. Montgomery's a little haunted. I think it's going to be, might be some time before it lifts. And certainly this, this museum keeps it haunted in just the right way. That, you know, these are, these are voices. They're not ghosts. This is history. It's not mythology. And it should be known and felt. Fucking deep stuff, man. I'm never going to be the same. But it's worth the trip. It's important. It's important. It's powerful public art and a, and a powerfully educational uh, experience to go to the museum. So that's that was my experience, and uh, and uh, you, you know you can look this stuff up online, and you can you can come check it out. It, it definitely blew my mind, and I am a different person today because of it. So I'm sorry if I got heavy. Sometimes I gotta get heavy. It's a heavy time. It's a scary time, and it's hard not to crumble. Don't crumble to the fear. You know, stay in it. Ride it out. Speak your mind so we don't get crushed. I think that's important. All right. So, look, Josh Brolin was here. Uh, was I talked to Josh Brolin. He wasn't here in my hotel room in Birmingham. He was back at the new garage uh, in Los Angeles. And he is currently in the biggest movie in the world, Avengers Infinity War. And starting this Friday, May 18th, you can see him in Deadpool 2. Both of these are in theaters literally everywhere. And we talked a little bit about this stuff, about the, the superheroes movies. Or as uh, uh, William Freakin said very succinctly in my interview with him, the, uh, the spandex movies. But, uh, but it, was, uh, it, was, it was nice talking to Josh. And this is me and Josh Brolin back in the garage. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called the Foxed page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts the one thing i learned about the hell's angels is that you can romanticize them to a degree and i'm this is one thing I, i'm afraid to talk about yeah 
Good. <laughs> you know, Good. like, you know, but, the, you know, they Honesty. were, they're heavy, man. I mean, you know, they were not, yeah. they weren't fucking around. No, they weren't fucking around. And I don't want to mention any names and people that you I'm got to friendly know them? with. No, no, no. Is that, yeah, I wrote a lot. I wrote yeah. a lot. I rode for 20, 25 years, Harleys and the, and the whole thing. And, you know, I grew up on a motorcycle. My dad put me on a motorcycle before a bicycle at three and a half. Really? I had an Indian 20. Really? When I was three and a half, I asked him to take off the twi- training wheels at four. And it was actually a motorcycle with like flames on the fucking- (laughs) Yeah, yeah, with an engine, yeah. But all these, especially actors, uh, you know, a bunch of different professions, that idea in the late 80s of hanging out with Hell's Angels and thinking that you were in, when in truth you were never in. No. Ever. No. So any idea that you were accepted was full of shit- because they're the fucking Hell's Angels. <laughs> yeah. Don't make assumptions. Don't make don't, assumptions. Don't get too ever. comfortable. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I talked to a rock photographer, Neil Preston, who had the same experience, mm. but with like uh, with with a band. Like you know, like oh, yeah, don't yeah. assume your pals. Yeah, you you know what I mean? You're on the outside. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah well, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I, it, it's a it's it's a shitty feeling to be that guy that has that realization. Oh man. <laughs> Have you had that before? Uh, Were you like I'm not there? Yeah, I was in. I was in. I, re, I grew up in Templeton, California. Where's that? Uh, about four hours north of here. Yeah, and uh, and I got on the bus. I had come from L.A. Yeah, and my dad. When I was growing up, my parents didn't have any money. They didn't really come from money. So your it, real dad? My real dad. Yeah, not my fake dad. My real dad. <laughs> not the not the other people that pretended to be my dad. But my my real dad. But I didn't know if you had a stepdad. No, you, I don't. No, no, no. You I always, never had a stepdad. Oh uh, yeah. The stepmoms. Uh huh. A few. Oh right, right. But, but no never stepdad. stepdad. Yeah. And then and so so w- when my dad got Marcus Welby, he started making money, and then we moved up to Paso Robles because my mother was a kind of a country lady from Texas. And yeah. She wanted to be out of L.A. And I got on the bus, and I was six, and I hate admitting this, but I love admitting this because I love what it does to me because it's so kind of shaming in a good way. To yourself? I, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> growth, Keep man. you humble? It's fucking growth. <laughs> yeah. So I got on the bus, and yeah. you know, there's all these, you know, you go down the driveway, and it's about, you know, mile, mile driveway long, and you get to the bottom, and you hang out, and you get picked up by the, by the, by the yellow bus to yeah. take you to school, to the public school, and- <laughs> And somebody, because I was new, yeah. somebody said, hey, you know, they started questioning or ribbing me or whatever. Yeah. And I said, hey, I said, uh, they said, uh, what what do you do? Or what, what I don't I wouldn't remember what the situation was, but I said, I'm James Brolin's son. Hey, man. I was like back off or something. I don't remember what I said, but it was yeah. like my father's an actor. Yeah. And they kicked the shit out of me. And rightfully so. That, that was the last time you identified that way, huh? Can you imagine if I sit like on this? Yeah. Like if you if you bother me at any time during yeah. this thing, and if I go, hey, yeah, my dad's James Brolin, by the way. I'd rather you say my dad was on Marcus Welby. <laughs> okay, good. Because <laughs> you have a better reference for that. <laughs> no, it's just like like I don't like. Maybe that's what it was. I said my dad. Was <laughs> it's on, on Marcus Welby. Marcus Welby. <laughs> no, because it was weird. He was one of those guys that had to transcend that. Like he like it felt like he he disappeared for decades. Yeah, and then was sort of like oh because it's okay. of that right. Well, it's okay. He's in movies now, and, and no one remembers Marcus Welby. No, but they do because you do. Yeah. Well, so they, there are those. There's the small lot, demographic out there. Well, it was that, like it was a little before my time, but yeah, I remember it being on TV. How old are you? Fifty-four. No, I'm fifty. Right, yeah, you're fifty. Sure we're making it. We're we're okay. We're alive. We have good references. How's your health? <laughs> yeah, my health's really good right now. But where? So is Pass is yes, Pass Robles on the? Uh, is that that's not a that's not a beach? 
No. no. It's like in the, it's like, what <coughs> is it? Paso Robles like is like a central ranch? coast. Yeah. Central coast. I grew up on a 230 acre ranch with, you know, a wildlife way station. My mom ran a wildlife way station. And what is that? We had, she took animals. She's already been an, always was an animal person. Yeah. So she would take wild animals out of, uh, from people who had illegally taken them out of the wild and she yeah. would nurse them back to health and either re-release them or put them in a habitable zoo. And so we had, uh, you know, bears, chimpanzees, bears? wolves, um, uh, mountain lions, one m- massive lion, a lot, lot of things. Yeah. A lot of things would come and go. So she was that kind of like uh, save the animals person. Yeah. And, My- then, and 65 horses. 65 I- horses? Yeah. So you rode horses? Yeah. And was it just you? Me and my brother. Your brother? Yeah. Younger, older? Younger, four. Yeah? Years. Yeah, four years. Are you four. Are you guys close? We are really close. Now. Yeah? Yeah, we're, we were never close until now. Till recently? Yeah. That must be exciting. Really exciting, actually. Yeah. In, in all honesty, really exciting. Well, wait, how long, how old, so he's four years younger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a little brother and, you know, it goes in and out. Like, people always assume you're close with your brother, but then you realize, like, I don't know. And then one day you are. Yeah. Are you close? Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's weird with him and I because there's no, like, I can see me and him. Like, we're very similar. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's not great. Yeah. <laughs> No, that creates friction. Well, yeah, you know, but I don't know. He's, you know, he's come into some rough times and you feel like you got to be there for him. And then you realize like, of course, you know, we were. No, yeah. My, my brother and I are the opposite. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Totally different. Just very, like, there was a decision. My mom was so hard, tough. I remember my dad saying, you guys had five minutes to learn how to read. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> and if you didn't get it, you were fucked. She was the tough one? She was very tough. My yeah. dad was not tough yeah. at all. Um my dad had Marcus Welby going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, but no, no, no. She was, yeah. And, and he did. He said that. He said five minutes you had to learn and read. And, you know, it was like, what is this word? You know, it's, I don't, I don't know. Nobody's yeah. taught me letters yet. Right. But, you know, it's dog. What is this word? So you had to get it. My brother was a little more rebellious, I think, in the fact that he didn't want to work so hard at getting it. Right. So I was always the more um, active one, for lack of a better word, and yeah. he and he and he was not. So um, there was a lot of friction as kids, and then we grew up, and then my brother ended up. I mean, I think everybody knows this. He ended up like having a really tough time. Yeah. He was living in his car for a couple years. Two years in the car. Yeah. And uh-huh. then, uh, by choice, I don't know by choice. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a whole psychological. Thing. Sure. You know, was it by choice? Is it, is did he it, fight help? He did. <laughs> yeah. He fought help. That's right. well put. He yeah. fought help. Yeah. And, and then there was the tough love thing about, you know, maybe he's victimizing himself and therefore if we just like, d- you know, don't react yeah. or don't enable and that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. And then there came a time where it was like kind of a life or death situation oh yeah so then so then i changed my whole perception on it and then now we're really close and you went and got him i don't know if i got him but i helped him get himself yeah but you you went you you showed up for him i did no, enough with the detachment yeah it's not working yeah man it's like i, <laughs> yeah. I hate treating you as if you're somebody that i met in iceland like in 87 <laughs> right like let's yeah, be yeah. fucking brothers <laughs> yeah like let's yeah. call a spade a spade and let's be brothers and he took it yeah he's doing very well right now i'm very proud of him that's great yeah he's a good so, dude so when when did you start like uh, like it seems like you you've put yourself through some shit mm. you know at different times in your life I you mean, do too by the way yeah i know <laughs> you have it written all over you 
Why, am I crying? Am I crying? No, no, you're not crying. You got a nice face. I Thanks, didn't expect buddy. such a nice face. Really? No. So you grew up primarily with animals and a mom, you know, taking care of animals, mm-hmm. you know, busting your balls, making you read fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or read, period. Yeah. yeah. It, were you, were you, but you weren't homeschooled. You went to school. I did go to school. But when did you start? When did you get more urbanized? Did you move? Were you? Did I did. You, no, I moved to Santa Barbara when I was 11. Oh, okay. So you're out, out of the mountains with your mom still? Not the mountains, but yeah. I was with my- Out of the ranch? Yeah, the ranch. Yeah. And then I was with my mother. Yeah. I was with my dad too, but my dad was working. Like I- Marcus Welby? Yeah. I don't think he was still working. Maybe he was. (laughs) Still working on Marcus Welby. And no, he was, you know what he was doing around that time? He was doing, let's talk about my dad. No, he was doing- You uh, guys get along right? Amityville Horror. Oh, oh, that's right. The movie. Yeah, the he movie. played the the husband, the father yeah, of the, the house at the house. The crazy fucker. Yeah, yeah, the possessed guy. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, and then Ryan Reynolds did it again later. He's a funny guy. He's a really funny guy. Smart guy. Yeah, I, he's like one of those guys. It's hard to do. Uh, you know, he's good at the physical comedy. He's really he's he's good at comedy. Period. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Is he Canadian? He is. Yeah, those Canadians. There's something about the, the broad comedy. They're very good at it. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it. Like it, not on the street. No? No, they all go to a place and they learn it. They do? Yeah, because on the street, they're not really funny people. I just spent a lot of time up there. I really like them a lot. It's very nice. It's almost like a. Um, it's like a, when you're in a, a Canadian city. It's like it's like an American city, but without the edge. You know, you're sort of. Like, what's no, this missing? But fear. I, no, but seriously. Yeah. Fear. Yeah. That's it. There's, no there's an edge. There's an edge that I missed when I was up there. Even though I think it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Yeah. And we were went. My wife and I went up to Whistler, and it was amazing. Oh, and oh, it was so beautiful. You're in Vancouver. In Vancouver. Shooting. Yep. Uh huh. And. Uh, but, you know, once I got back to Venice, it was like, it was uh, like an orgasm. Yeah, the fear's back. Yeah, it was like blue balls for, <laughs> for, for, for four months. For anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, like blue balls for anxiety. <laughs> I need a little, no, I need, a, I need to wash true. my back. I miss not. That's what it is. Yeah, I yeah. need to be around my misfit, homeless <laughs> yeah, brothers. Sure. So, okay, so you moved That's to Santa Barbara. When, do, when does he, I have to assume, given you are who you are, that there was some at least active rebellion, that some troublemaking. No, there was, yeah, but I don't think it was necessarily me. I don't think it was, a, I think it was, a, it was the time. It was the culture. It was the... It when was, was the, this? What punk, time are we talking about? Probably 80... No, 79. Oh, yeah. So it was kind of the beginning of punk rock. Oh, yeah. In all L.A. company. Yeah. You know, like Sid Vicious and all that, you know, a Darby crash and the germs and all that started happening. Did you go see him? I when did. you were a kid? Did, I did you drive into the city? I actually snuck out my window, got into a van... I don't even remember whose van, and a bunch of us yeah. would go down to Godzilla's in Los Angeles make it back by five in the morning, sleep an hour, wake up, and then go to school. Holy shit. So you saw the original punk guys. You saw the germs. I did. I saw the germs. I saw Black Flag. I saw Circle Jerks. I saw Dead Kennedys. I saw TSOL. Wow. Yeah. So that group that I grew up with was kind of like a, it was kind of like a surf culture. And you were- It was kind of like bra boys in, in, uh, in Australia. Uh-huh. It was a very similar thing. And then- Were it, you a gang? No, we weren't a gang. Yeah. What's a gang? I don't know. I don't know what a gang is. A gang murders people, don't they? Yeah, did you murder people? No. You'd remember. No. No. <laughs> we, were, we murdered egos. <laughs> yeah. Nice. We murdered egos. And ourselves. And ourselves. Slowly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, we weren't a gang at all. Yeah. But we were, we were, but those guys, there was something that I've never seen before or since that was, uh, that was that destroyed. 
destructive. It was very destructive. And you guys were in high school. We were in no, we were in junior high. Really, high school. And you think it was something to do with the time, not just the. I do. I remember in Crane School in yeah. Santa Barbara when everybody started shaving their heads. Yeah, like we were the first guys to shave our heads or to right. color our hair. Right. And and then it just kind of and I remember Sheldon Edwards, the head Sheldon. of the school. Yeah taking me aside and saying you know this is it for you this is the this is the crossroads you know you're 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 robert johnson right now yeah he said you use that reference you have no oh i just said (laughs) because i want to make him smarter than he was (laughs) and he said uh you know you have a choice you're a talented guy and you're getting straight d minuses in school right and you have nothing Nothing positive to look forward and, to if you if you continue along these lines. Right, you're diminishing your future possibilities. Yeah, you're you're, you're closing them off. Now, maybe coming from somebody else that yeah. I trusted a little more, maybe it would have had an effect. It had none. It just zero. It just it made me dive into the deep end. <laughs> I think made, all of us. It made the fuck you bigger. <laughs> It did. Yeah. It did. It, it's funny how when you're at that age, you're like, oh, I'll show you by destroying me. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. But it was a fun group. It was a really intelligent group. It was a group that I would never, I would never take away that time. Did you play music? Yeah, there was a band. We started a band called CVS. <laughs> good, so dumb. Good Cito Vice Squad. Oh, okay. Because we yeah. were the Cito Rats. Uh-huh. And, and then that band... Once they replaced me, um, evolved into RKL, which was Rich Kids on LSD, which became a big punk band. Oh, they did? Yeah. The, the guys that stayed in, yeah. stayed in it? Yeah. Jason Sears, who was my best friend, was the lead singer of RKL. And, yeah. And uh, yeah, they did very well. Oh, very that's well. good. But all those guys are gone. They're dead. All of them. Really? Yeah. Isn't that fucking amazing? Amazing. What killed them? Variety of things? Variety. Yeah? But mostly heroin. Well, that when that came in when I, th- I think I think was it was like, it that fucking black tar shit? We all it was. It, we did we did a lot of LSD. Yeah, for sheets of LSD. Right. Hence, yeah, rich kids on LSD. Right, and not nobody was particularly rich. It just sounded good, and and but my dad did do Marcus Wolby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was anyway. a, he was a Marcus Welby. So, yeah, but yeah. then then yeah then the then the the heroin kind of creeped in and the I guess it was the early must been that first wave eighties it all came in at once from Mexico that tar shit yeah that you could smoke exactly yeah and then mm. shoot afterwards. yeah so was that your bag no it was never my bag I did it but I did everything but I I could never <sighs> I always had my like my big toe yeah kind of dipped somewhere else and yeah. i don't know why i you, literally don't know why. you mean like the, you well i mean for me when i tried heroin i was like all right i snorted some white heroin because I, I had been sober for about a year and a half i was living in new york city mm-hmm. that late 80s yeah i was there too in right? alphabet city yeah and i had been sober about a year and i moved into that place sober yeah. and i just watched these junkies go into this doorway yeah totally. you know next door like it was like the whole street was where like were that. you what, what second street? between a and b okay yeah, yeah. So they just this parade of junkies, yeah. and it, it, when I got there, because I was sober, I'm like, "This is sad." Yeah, look at these fucking. I would go guys. down and cop between 11th and 12th between A and B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like the here's the was here's how you know you're sick is that like about in, inside about a year it yeah. went from like this is sad these guys to what's going on in there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, sure. It must be worth something for them to let their skin turn that color. It's, it's totally gray, <laughs> fucking white gray. 
I always wanted to know if I looked white gray. Well, how much were you in it before? But I loved I loved the idea of it yeah, right, more exactly. than I like the actuality of it. Sure, I never were... I never was a good drug I was a good drunk, but I yeah. wasn't a good drug addict. Yeah. I just there was something about it that it just never sat well with me. It's not attractive. You're not doing much. And that's what I don't like. Yeah. I'm too fucking productive intrinsically yeah. Yeah. to to do that. It just didn't take. I, that was what I was going to say, though. Like, I did it a few times. My face got itchy. I vomited. Me and then, too. like, I just fought to keep my head up. There you go. And it was like, this is it? Yeah, I didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, I never got, maybe maybe I didn't do it right, thank God, but I never got that ecstasy of, like, a thousand orgasms. That no, didn't, no, no, no. That, that whole train spotting thing. Yeah, it's it didn't like, happen. Yeah, it's like the greatest orgasm yeah. times did a thousand that, did and you're you not happen? even close. Did you get that? No. Did you, were you shooting it? No. No. Yeah. But you snorted it a few I, times. No, I smoked it. Oh, you smoked it. Oh, yeah. See, that's it. I smoked When I was it in New York, I snorted it. When I was in, in the West Coast, I smoked it. Because of the black tar you could smoke, and the stuff in New York was that China white shit. It was very strong at that time. Yeah, it's not like you could. It's just what was available. That's what, just what you did. You couldn't snort black tar. No, you could not. <laughs> you could try. <laughs> <laughs> but you couldn't. I just I've never spoken about this, really. I talked about nose. it once, but it's, yeah. it's one of those things that it's like... Stigmatized. Are you st- are you sober? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Really? Well, yeah. I, I noticed that you... You recognize that book right away. I recognize the cover. I can't even see the writing. Sure, yeah. It's a blue and, old. Yeah. Well, I know I got um, a whole stack of fucking sober books over there. Yeah. I didn't want to put all of them. They're down there because I did... Been, Josh is coming. <laughs> put the sober books high. Let's get into it. No, I mean... I had them down there. They were up there, and I don't want to look like a complete fucking... Yeah. <laughs> like, over the years, I've accumulated many different books. Because, yeah. you know, you find these problems run deeper. They do run deeper, <laughs> but what I love is you, you have this kind of potpourri of sober books, and then people who you appreciated who complete were obviously not sober. You sure. got Sam right there, you got Lenny, you got Hunter Thompson, you got... I mean, somebody who blew his face off, somebody who, yeah. who OD'd, somebody yeah. who... You know, died recently, who yep. I love and who was a good friend, you know. Which one's that? Shepard. Oh, Sam. Yeah. He was so good, huh? So great, man. Did you work with him? I never worked with him. I did True West on Broadway. Yeah. But I didn't work directly with him, but I was friendly with him. Who'd you play with? The, who played your brother? Um, Elias Kateas. Uh-huh. Did you have a good experience with that? No. No, good. no. I loved. <laughs> I, I knew it was. I knew. I knew we were doomed. Yeah, from the beginning. And right. Elias and I didn't get along, which I, I would love to see him now because yeah. it's been twenty years or fifteen years. Uh huh. But I uh, no. He it, no. It was a, it was a debacle for sure. But I'm glad I did it. He like Sam didn't strike me like I don't put him. I don't think of him as a fuck up. I mean, I think of no. him as a uh, like a, a cowboy and a, a guy who did something new and took chances. I think True West is a perfect depiction or, or definition of yeah. him as a person because you have the two brothers, which obviously are a split of himself, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. the, is the productive kind of pandering screenwriter right. and then the guy who's saying fuck you to it all <laughs> yeah, yeah and that was him yeah lee, what is it lee and austin right yeah lee and austin so and we switched our, parts so we oh you did that thing yeah, we did that thing so okay so we were both lucky we didn't like heroin yeah but you like booze i like cocaine and booze yeah i didn't like cocaine really no it did yeah it just got me in trouble <laughs> it was like the minute i did cocaine i heard a siren <laughs> immediately whether it existed or not 
You know what I mean? When you're and alone, they, and alone unfortunately for me, like paranoia, where they, you know, yeah. nine times or ninety-nine times yeah. out of a hundred, it's not true. It's in your head. Oh, that's the worst. Ninety-nine out of a hundred times for me, yeah. it was real. real. <laughs> it was real. <laughs> There's the siren. I was like, fuck! What am I being arrested for now? <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, I, but booze was my thing. Yeah, how long have you been sober? Almost five years. Oh, that's had, great. Yeah. yeah, but I had five years, and then I had three and a half. Or three that's what and happens. Half and then five, and then yeah. Are you able to identify why you decide that moment the, the, the to horror? go back out? Yeah. Oh yeah, man, it was an absolutely fully conscious decision. As You're like, you I'm know, ready. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> It wasn't like, yeah, yeah, it, was, it wasn't like, you know, yeah. you hear these guys in the rooms, they're like, I don't even know what happened. <laughs> like, before I knew it, I was in the bar, I was drinking, I get all the fucking, I don't know what happened. And you're like, how is that, how is that possible? I knew, I made an absolute conscious decision to go yeah. fuck it up even more. Yeah. Because I appreciated <laughs> the destructivity of it all. Yeah, yeah. More than I liked sobriety at that point right now it's very different yeah it's very different and what, I, what do you think changed i don't know and there was no major like the moment of clarity or anything yeah. i saw my grandma she was kind of she was on her apparent deathbed she didn't die until later yeah and i went in there after halloween and i had been kind of helming the whole taking care of grandma thing and the family was around and all that and my brother and i were going to go see her and this was like the 10th day or something yeah and 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 then I went out and to have a nice uh, Halloween with my wife. Yeah. And then that turned into all kinds of shit. When you end up at Del Taco, you know something's wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> if you know it's, it's time at, to get sober. If it's late at night, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Del Taco, not even paying attention to what's around no. you. No. Just, just like no. No, you see the sign kind of through a brownout or a blackout, and you're like, what does that say? <laughs> No, no, taco, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> and you know you're doomed. But yes, but you can't identify what, what how your brain is different about sobriety now because I know that well, one thing I know is it doesn't age well, dude. You, you know that there does come a point where people are just going to be like, oh god, this yeah. Guy, <laughs> yeah, 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 this guy's here. What? Oh, you mean when you're sober? Well, no, when when you're when you know that like if I go out. Like I'm 54. Yeah. I, there's no way it's gonna go well, they, and there's no way. Oh, you mean when you're not? Yeah, oh, like yeah, you yeah, just yeah. You, you you get too old. You really should get too. That should factor in that. Like maybe I'm too old. I think for this that shit. was a fact. I think that was absolutely a factor. It was like 45 years old. Yeah. I've gotten away with murder. Yeah, it was never. I was never the guy that was like you know they were like if you continue. You're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I was like, I'm gonna be the last motherfucker to know that I'm dead. So yeah. why should that matter? Again, fuck you. Like, I'll, I'll show you. Yeah, yeah. I'll be dead. Yeah. I won't know. Like, yeah. well, you're in family and all. Bad that argument. Stuff. But what I was convinced of. This is gonna sound really morbid, and this is. But what I was convinced that I yeah. was gonna hit a little kid crossing the street yeah. in a blackout and drag him for a mile and not know it, not know that I did it wake up in jail like I have a few times, too many times, and go, what happened? Yeah. And then them tell me that. Ugh. I was convinced. Ugh. So it was that on top of seeing my grandmother smile at 99 years old on her, on her deathbed. Right. And go, that woman's never, she's never done that. She, yeah. was never, she was never apt to escape and all that. She kind of took care of things as they came. She was a badass on every level, but yeah. always kept a smile on her face always very sweet and i and i thought who the fuck am i right 
to to ruin this gift I've been given. Life. Yeah. Yeah. That simple. That's that sounds like a fairly uh, powerful white light experience. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't condensed. Oh, like you're that. putting it together in retrospect. Yeah, exactly. For you. Yeah. Thank you. For your radio and for show. yourself and for, for yourself for your new house. Thank you for. <laughs> That's my christening of Thank your new house. Thank you very house. much. I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you had that moment. Yeah, me too. So when were you? When did the acting start? You've gotten when very I, good at it. Thanks, man. You're very, you're great at it. Well, you know what? I, I, I just to just I know we're digressing a lot. I, you but, do whatever you want. But but it's your show. You know, I was listening to your to several, and I don't usually do this. I don't usually do research because I don't yeah, want to. Right. Because then it puts something in my head. And sure. Going, you produce your own show. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. It's just I got overwhelmed. This. Yeah, I got this. Overwhelmed until I win. Um, and I, I listened to your couple of your shows, and I was listening, yeah. and it had nothing to do with you because I liked you, but it, yeah. I was listening to some of your people. Uh-huh. And then I turned it off, and then I listened to somebody else, and then I listened to it a while, and I turned yeah. it off. The person that I just listened to the whole thing, yeah. and I love him so much, he defines manliness to yeah. me, oh. is Lawrence O'Donnell Jr. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I literally just finished it outside. Yeah, yeah. I was waiting. He's 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 a self producer. He is a self producer. <laughs> he did. You were very kind with him because there's a there's a reaction. There was two reactions with two different people. Yeah. that were the same reactions, but they were coming from two different places. Right. Once was Lawrence O'Donnell Jr. One was yeah. Lawrence O'Donnell Jr. And it was a reaction of respect for sure. Yeah. And then maybe other stuff. In right. There. And then there was the same reaction with Nolte. Yeah. But it came from a very different place. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because it was uh, like, uh, yeah. it was bearing, it was yeah. bearing, it was yeah. bearing down. And not that the stories aren't great, because they're great. I told somebody his brain is like a bingo cage of stories. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> just, know, it's rolling, so and you don't know what, which one he's going to pick and where it's going to start. Totally. I just went out to dinner with him, because I've known him for years. Yeah. He was very helpful to me in my mid-20s. Oh, yeah? Yeah, very How sweet. so? When he was sober, and I was kind of fucking around. Oh, and, yeah? And he kind of took he me laid under it down. his wing. He didn't lay it down, but he took me under his wing and, you know, I mean, laid it down like he showed me his blood and shit. Yeah, yeah you know? right. Come over here. Like, see, see it swimming? You know, and you're like, yeah, man. See it swimming. I have to go drink now. Um, but he was like, but it was great because it reminded me because I went yeah, out. Yeah. I'd never been to uh, uh, Nobu. Yeah. I don't really, I don't frequent places that, that, I, I guess I should, right. you know? So he's like, I said, well, let's go have dinner. And I read his book and there was something about fame. The first the new book. Yeah. Yeah. The two, the two or three first pages. And yeah. I knew that he had written it. And that was the first thing that I asked him is how many ghostwriters that you had, did you have? Because I could tell what he had written and not written. Yeah. And I thought he was the better writer. Yeah. Of whoever sure. he had, but he wrote this thing about fame and I loved it. And I asked him about it. Because it's just a question that's in yeah. my head right now, and and then the, the the when he responded, it was something like this. It was like, well, I and I was like, all right, we're gonna need to start over. Like drink, sake, you know, or whatever. Did he make? Did no, he... but he finally cleared up. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it was a massive loogie that was stuck yeah. or something like that. But and then we had a great conversation. But I do. I love him. I love him very much. He's yeah, he, a really good human being, man. I thought very that. The, yeah, the part the part of that book that blew me away because he come up in that he was out here in that time yeah. and he wanted to be an actor, but he had no access. He didn't know how to even get there. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's doing these jobs. Mm -hmm. 
And then he just, he kind of drops this idea that like he realized that, you know, everything that defined him was bullshit, that he was a fraud, that his personality was a fraud and that his, you know, and he went into a room Mm -hmm. and, and just re put himself back together. He got egoless and then started from scratch somehow. Yeah. And, and I believe him. Yeah. I no, I believe him too. But the thing that got me the most, which I understood, I'd never heard it put so clearly. It was very, and it wasn't for anybody else, but just him telling his story, which only he can do. Right. Um, and, and, and that was when he was playing football and he was this kind of great football player, a punter or whatever, and, and very valued on the team. And then he'd be, he'd be playing football and he'd start crying on yeah. the field. Right. And they would all come up to him like eventually and put their hand on his shoulder and say like, Nick, you don't have to do this. Like you don't have to play. And he was like crying and he goes, you don't understand. He was like, it's not, I don't dislike it. It's like, it was the passion. It was the camaraderie. It was the planning things out and then having to improvise on that plan when the plan wasn't working. Yeah. It was the whole collective experience. Yeah. And I, when, when I, I was like, that's why I became an actor. Right. Because why would I become an actor watching my dad like kind of if you look at it like a stock trade or a, or a, or a casino win lose win lose win yeah, lose yeah. and the house sure. always wins you always in either for, through your ego or financially right. you always lose in the end yeah so why would i do that yeah you know until that thing that i accidentally took a, a class an improvisational class and i got up on stage and they said create this character we're going to ask you questions and then you answer them as that character and that was the switch. It was like, oh, this is a whole community of people that just totally like immerse themselves in their imagination. Yeah. And like life isn't enough. Right. I get it. <laughs> yeah. I get it. This is perfect. No, this is perfect. Where'd you do that class? Um, Santa Barbara. In high school? Yeah. No kidding. No. And you felt the power of it. I did. In that moment, I felt the power of humor. Uh-huh. So that was because you wanted it's to get ironic. Laugh. You wanted like, to get laughs. Um, it's not that I wanted to get laughs. I got laughs. Right. I wasn't looking to get laughs. You it's sure? just what. No, no. I think now I want to get yeah. laughs. <laughs> yeah. I think now then it was. I had no idea what the whole thing was about because I wasn't paying attention at all. I didn't hang out on set with my yeah. dad. I right. There was nothing that was interesting about it to me other than watching performances of like. I don't know, you know, James Dean or something like right. that. Or, you but know. you didn't you didn't have any, you were you always got along with your dad. I always got along with my dad, but I was more into law. Right. Which I also did a lot of research on later. Becoming a lawyer? No. <laughs> in jail. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know, yeah. But yes, there was, yes, I was very interested in criminal law. That was fascinating to me, which obviously has its acting connections mm-hmm. also. So once you have that revelation there, but you weren't playing. Well, you weren't playing sports. It didn't sound like. Were you? No, I was surfing. Yeah. Do you still do that? I do. How is it? Is it are you good at it? I'm, I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm good enough. Where do you go? I go wherever. And is yeah. is what? What's the? We it, just went to Costa Rica, which was amazing. My wife and I. Yeah. She I've never surfs. been there. Oh, it's great. Oh huh? my god. Pretty. It's like it's pretty and it's primitive and it's dusty and it's fucked up and your lungs will hurt when you leave. And yeah. It's perfect. That's so it's got everything. Everything. <laughs> everything. The good it's and not, the bad. It does. It's 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 been uh, it's been westernized enough where it's not totally uncomfortable, but it's uncomfortable enough where you right. feel like 
like the idea of a spa to me yeah, drives yeah. me absolutely nuts. I mean, it creates such tension in me. Yeah, because you it, see the other people in their robes well, it's, wandering around. It's the robes part. It's not seeing the other people. Yeah. It's the robes. Like yeah. I remember somebody, uh, I was doing a show called The Young Riders a long time ago, and I had a- The Western show? A, yeah, The Western show. I had a bookkeeper, this guy, and he was like, you need to take a vacation. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you just work and work and work, and you need to use some of that money and take a vacation, relax a little bit. And John Noel, he's a great guy. Yeah. So I went to Hawaii. I stayed in a nice place. Which, which island? Kauai? I, I, no. Kauai is, I love Kauai now. I love now, Kauai but, too, yeah. But I think I was in Maui. Yeah. And then I stayed, I, I checked into that hotel, I got in my car, I started driving, there was a dude hitchhiking on the side of the road, I picked him up, and I didn't make it back to the hotel for four or five days until I picked up my shit and went to the, <laughs> yeah. to the, and I had the best time with him, man, and we stayed on the beach, and we just like ate fucking mangoes and papayas and shit, and it was great. Just some stranger? Yeah, it sounds like a weird story, but it's not. It's not it that actually, weird. Yeah. No, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Did you learn any lessons? Was he magic? Did he did no. he bestow any wisdom upon no, you? No, he wasn't like a sage. No, no. he was <laughs> no, he was young. He was I, I was what? I was twenty two and he oh, so, was twenty. Oh, so maybe. it was just like, hey, that bros. kid looks like yeah, bros. bros. Yeah, gonna hang out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like a bearded wizard. No, no. <laughs> or a pedophile. <laughs> like, yeah. Could have went either way. Yeah. It, it was just uh, I they, a tent. <laughs> Where there's nobody around. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll show you some I'll show stuff. you some shit. <laughs> you like to feel good, don't Take you? Take this. You like vegetables? Here's a mushroom. You know. No, thanks, bro. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm thanks, good. man. I gotta go, Dad. I gotta split. So you graduate high school and then you decide to commit to acting? Is that what happens? No, I can't. I kind of want to know because, I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the, uh, I've, I've gotten more respect for actors over time. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, like you talk to, act, I would talk to actors, and uh, some of them don't want to be, you know, open, or some of them may not have much in there, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But uh, but there's this weird, like lately, because I've been doing some acting myself, like I start to appreciate just exactly what you realized about it when you first did it. Was that like you? It's its own world, and mm -hmm. you can you have this freedom to do what you're going to do in this other body, almost in this mm -hmm. other character. So I, I've, I'm very interested how people get there. So, so your interest in actors is purely self-based. Uh, my interest in almost everything. <laughs> I love that. Again, more honesty. Um, yeah, I don't like actors so much either. Yeah. I don't. I just, I don't, I don't, I, I've never. But the good ones you like. Not particularly. <laughs> I like their work. Yeah, yeah. But, right, right. But no, the, 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 uh, I've always kind of, writers were always, like I just got along with them better and I understood them better and everybody wants to be an actor, man, as is shown in social media now. Well, that's the thing that, that that's the other side of it is that it's sort of a hustle. It's a total hustle. And and like, you know, you story like there there are dudes that you think are great that are sort of like, I'm just in it for the pussy and yeah, I can, yeah, you know, yeah, and I can yeah. hang out in a trailer. I don't exactly. do shit. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it's you like, know. and I get that, but it's sort of like, no, nah, what did you tell me that for? You fucking make something up. Yeah, exactly. And and, and, and and you know, actors even now, like people will be like, Hey man, what do I do? And I'll go, like, you study and you this and then go find somebody yeah. or I study. and and they don't want to do that. They just wanna be yeah known yeah and and back that's why i appreciated nolte's thing or 
right kind of like in that in that world of me and benicio who i adore and yeah you know we studied with stella adler and we were into the psychology of it like right acting was only a means to manifest a, an interest in writing and good writing in psychology and f these fucked up people trying to figure out what made yourself tick what yeah. made other people tick yeah why do i feel like i do yeah and even though it's totally narcissistic there's a there's a psychological and sociological element to it that's fucking fascinating and also there there the, the thing that i keep hearing is you're, you're the servicing of the story the servicing of the story you're telling a story that's that's what I keep hearing. You're telling a story as a social commentary yeah. in order to... Well, sometimes it's not. Sometimes yeah. it's just entertainment. Right. But sometimes you're able to mirror society back to themselves right. so they can see where they're... Like a great writer right. or a great journalist, so they can see kind of where they're at yeah. with one step back so they're not personally involved and blinded by their personal involvement. Sure. You know what I mean? That's cool. Yeah. That to me is cool. So if you do something like something cultish like the Goonies or you right. do something what what I can But you wouldn't have known that was cultish at the time you did it. No, no, no. Of course right. not. But then you do then you do thrashing, which I always kind of talk down about. Yeah. And I've learned not to do that now when somebody comes up and said, Hey man, I loved you in Thrashing yeah. I go, Oh, I was so shitty in that movie. That was the whole reason why I moved to New York so yeah. I could study in New York and actually figure out how to do this thing. But I don't realize or I didn't realize that, you know, like say their parents were junkies yeah. and they had nothing to live for and they were tortured and, yeah. and they found skateboarding because they saw that movie right. and it made their lives right. worthwhile. You, you take that away from them if you... And that's the power of storytelling. Right. Even if it's a shit movie. Right. But in, but when you say, I, I wasn't any good, they're like, that that robs them of their experience. Totally. Yeah. It robs them of their experience. And how dare me? Well, yeah, but that's a, that's a, a sign of maturity. That's something you can only learn. Well, you know, that's age. It's right. Exactly. Yeah. Age where, where it's, uh, you know, it's like, it's, a, it's an old joke, you know, where the comic is walking around the mall the next day, you know, after Friday night shows, did two shows and he's just hanging out with the other comic and couple of chicks walk up to him and, and uh, one chick goes god you were funny last night I really want to fuck you and the comic goes really w which show were you at <laughs> <laughs> totally totally <laughs> you know I just started watching my, my agent um, yeah. told me he said very sweetly he said there's this Gary Shandling uh, uh, the doc doc yeah did you watch it yeah it's good yeah I I, I, yeah, I interviewed him once mm. I didn't know him that well yeah I didn't either but but I'll tell you, there's something about his approach that was really something. Yeah. You know that like the the attempt at uh, at spirituality, the commitment to sort of trying to to get that peace, trying to get that peace, and also as a what was he an engineer? Also oh, yeah, the idea he... which I can identify with, which is working. Yeah, we can figure out how to do this. Yeah. This yeah. is a mathematical equation yeah. that we just have to figure out. Well, and I think I was, I, I'm along those, not that I figured it out. In your particular, you mean with spirituality, with the craft of acting with or the with life? With the craft of acting. Well, that, well that's, the, that's the question. So you do these early things. And so that's what happened. You, you get into these, you got into a few TV shows and a couple movies to start, mm -hmm. you know, just by virtue of who you are or what happened how did that happen oh you mean because my dad i don't know if it was because your dad i'm just a, no i think that was that that actually worked against me i think <laughs> i think i mean i not because of anything yeah, that yeah. he did but i think the idea of nepotism was so um 
was so bad tasting yeah for lack of a right. better phrase yeah to people <clears throat> that they didn't want to be the ones that lent themselves to that but i what i do think it did is open some doors and see people sure. that i wouldn't normally have been able to see right but you know i went out and i got an agent i lied i created a whole resume that was fake and you were how old you were young 16 i had been kicked out of my house in santa barbara by your mother by my mom well how did that what happened I don't know. It was just a, another fight or whatever, and I was, you know, it was that, fifteen, man. I yeah. was drinking, and I yeah. was, it was bad. It was I surfing. Don't, I don't blame her. At doing all. acid. Surfing's not bad. No, you just, no. You just put something in there that was actually good. You were drinking and you sur- were surfing, surfing. You fuck. And you did acid. <laughs> yeah, the surfing part's kind of a good part. And acid halfway, half of the time. Half mm-hmm. of the time, acid's okay. Surfing on acid, though. Oh. That was something. Was it? I uh, bet. No, I never did that. Yeah. Oh. So my mom just, she just said, you know, go live with your dad. And I think they were going through a divorce at the time. And uh, so I went down there and I tried to kind of get my shit together. Yeah. And then part of getting my shit together was I started doing martial arts a lot. And then I started Which one? Um, taekwondo. Uh-huh. And then I went out and I, I just, I, I, you know, it was, it was like a desperate move to do something, produ- something other than what I was doing. And you'd already had the, the improv... I had already had the improv thing. Revelation? Which I think, yeah, which I think uh, prompted the whole thing. But what was the moment where you decided to go to New York? I mean, what, why did you decide so to So I did Goonies, which was like the greatest experience of my life. Right. I mean, and again, we go back to the Nolte thing, which is yeah. just communal, amazing, yeah. uh, you know, incredible people and Steven Spielberg and then and then Donner and yeah. and all that. And, Donner's and great. Amazing. Yeah. Man. And it just the whole thing was unlike anything I had ever experienced. And then I went from that to thrashing. And the only reason I got thrashing was because there was this huge billboard up on Sunday set of Goonies because I know that when I read for it I was so bad and there was no way I would have been hired had I not had a big billboard where I was the biggest person on the billboard right and then I saw thrashing and I went to the premiere and I saw thrashing and it was I was I didn't feel that I was is um where I didn't I wasn't doing what I wanted to do can you are you any good at watching yourself now yeah I don't have that thing I'm not, you can't. I, maybe I'm not narcissistic enough, or maybe I'm so narcissistic that I can watch it. And but the thing, when I watch it, I say, "Does this work or does it not?" I think that I have some objectivity, like yeah. No Country or sure. Milk or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I watch it and I go, "Does that work?" Or I'll call Gus and I'll say, "What was that scene that we did? I think it's more appropriate if we put that in and take maybe that out." Oh yeah, and that kind of thing. Yeah, because you look at it as a story. Sure. I don't look at it as me anymore. Right. I see the story. Right. And I go, is it effective? Yeah. It's way better to be okay in a great movie than be great in a shitty movie. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. It's great yeah. to be in a great movie. Yeah. There's nothing better. Yeah, I bet. In a great story. If you're holding Caulfield in-, in, in you Catcher. Know, Catcher in the yeah. Rye. Yeah. Sure. It'd be great. Fucking hell. Yeah. But I mean, but you also don't have a lot of control over that, do you sometimes? No, no, no. You don't. All you have is is your opinion and you do, you know, something like Sicario and, you know, you get your notes. So good. Yeah, but see, that's one of those things that like we did Sicario and Benny and I looked at each other and we went, well, that didn't work. Really? Totally. Why? Because you know, you don't know. People go, do you have that feeling when you're doing a movie that's eventually appreciated? Do you have a feeling? It's like what you just said. I watched that movie twice. Oh, that's good. Maybe three times. I like that movie. You should stop watching that movie and go see Thrashing. <laughs> I'm telling I'm, you, it'll I'm, change your life. I'm thinking about getting a box set of Marcus Welby's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going all the way back. Uh, I want to start there. Back. That's it. 
No, I mean, but like uh, I, I thought your performance was great in Sicario, and I thought he was great, and uh, I. But it was look, but that's one of those movies where you know when he finally does his business, you're pretty satisfied. Yeah, you're pretty satisfied in the way that Taylor kind of um, structured that whole thing. You know, yeah. You're on Emily for half the movie, and then you do what you absolutely don't do, and that's change narrative oh. point of view into Benny. Mm-hmm. And you don't really do that. That's yeah. kind of like a great photographer knowing all the rules and then breaking the rules, whereas that's that's Taylor Sheraton too. You know, he, he's just one of those unique writers that's able to fuck with structure and have it work. Yeah. And then you need a great director like yeah. Denis yeah. that's able to know how to... So you think, it, so ultimately the, the, it wasn't that bad an experience, but you just didn't feel it worked? Not that it wasn't a, but a bad experience. You just, you, you have a feeling. Yeah. And that feeling is usually wrong. Right. Oh, good. Yeah. Because... <laughs> now, yeah. Now I'm mature enough right. to know that uh, to listen to my own feeling is meaningless. So with the raw goods that you took to New York with the desire to pursue acting, you know, in in earnest, yeah. Who? What did? What did you start doing? What you mean? What did I do where in did New you York? Try? Yeah, where did you? I started. Did you train? I, there was a guy that that I that I met. I was writing a lot in my early hitchhiker? 20s. And no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we started doing theater in a tent. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, just for us, though. Just yeah, for us. That guy. That famous trainer. No, I met a guy named Anthony Zerby. And if the you actor? Read, yeah. Oh, he's trippy, man. Yeah. He's my best bud. And he married my, my wife and I recently. And yeah, he's my he's my closest friend. Like he's like one of those character actors that was always kind of uh, scary, even when he wasn't being scary. And the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, the nicest guy in the world. Anthony and then you see Serby. Omega Man. Yeah, you, see, you know you go back and see those movies, and he's just fucking fantastic, and one of the great Shakespearean actors of all time. Really. And he and Roscoe Lee Brown, who's not around anymore. Roscoe like, Lee Brown. Yeah, like you know, great baritone yeah. black actor. Yeah. And they did this thing called Behind the Broken Words, which was a compilation of poetry and remember in the 90s when everybody was speaking poetry yeah like cafe lalo and yeah. fairfax and all this kind of stuff and they'd get up and they'd go my balls and everybody would go yeah, yeah. spoken it word just, it was so yeah. fucking bad sure. it was all so bad yeah but when you saw zerby and roscoe do behind the broken words it was like it, it just took you to another it made it made me appreciate literature and poetry and words and structure and the music of poetry um, and you just saw this by coincidence? You just no. What had happened is I did young writers with him. Yeah, and I heard him reading. Or I heard him speaking. Excuse me, Anthony. Poetry, and and I kind of got together a few of my poems and went over on the honey wagon, my yeah. little tiny, you know, trailer, and yeah. walked over and I said, "Would you mind reading a few of these aloud?" And he said, yeah, he was kind of a dick. And he was like, you know, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. And he yeah. grabbed him and he started reading them and they sounded way better than they were because they were coming through his voice. And then he looked at me and he said, you're a writer. And I was like, yeah. So we became very close and he gave me a lot of books to read. And uh, Oh, yeah? Like what was the first was, book? He gave me Blake. He gave me oh. he gave me Ginsburg. He gave me Ferlinghetti. He wow. gave me Auden. He yeah. gave me. I mean, a lot of. I should. Wouldn't great. it be amazing if I had all those right here? I know. I have them on, they're on another shelf. Do you? No, I, I have, have them too. Yeah, I have them too. But if I put those up, it would just fucked with you. It would have. No, <laughs> I would have. T- I would have gone. Let's. I'm gonna let's go. Let's open then the whole up. thing would be a poetry reading, and it'd be it'd be a bummer. So so the experience was no no dude I I I do that I mean I read it I you know I studied poetry I wrote I wrote poetry I there's part of me that 
lives in that place. Not daily. Yeah. You know, you can't live there every day because we'd be different men. You'd be driving a different car. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> no, it's true. I had, a, I had a buddy who just wrote a book and he was like, you know, I'm thinking like this may sustain me yeah. throughout my, and I'm like, no, man. I know fucking great writers, yeah. and they all have another job. Right? They all have another sure. job. Sure. This guy, writing. my friend Sam Lipsight, the guy who wrote The Ask, he's a teacher at uh, Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Unless they sell out somehow. Unless they, you're, unless you're what? Unless you're, you know, what is it? J.K. Rollins? Yeah. Or, sure. You know, writing the fantasy for the forget it for the kids, you but know. the adults are like, it's not just for kids. Exactly. That's 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 how you make money. So we started doing theater. Uh, I, I remember during hiatus, everybody wanted to do a movie. Uh huh. And Zerby came up to me and he said, do you want to do this play during hiatus? From he, the writers? And he had a connection with Rochester, New York, Jiva Theater. Yeah. And I did four or five seasons at Jiva Theater. I did two plays every summer and rotating rep. With him? Yeah. So I did probably eight or ten plays. And, he, and that was your training, mm -hmm. basically. That was the experience, doing stage work with Anthony Zerby. Nah, and I studied with people. I studied with Stella Adler for a while. And in I, New York? You know, yeah, and I was involved in different theater groups, but mostly that. I would say that was the, that was a, just a, a, that was one of those things that we're talking about. It's like whatever fear that you have or whatever right. trepidation, I, you know, I still, I shake when I, when I speak publicly. And yeah. so I have a great fear around all that, and like right. acting and all that. I probably could have been a much better actor had I not been so fearful. When you were younger? When I was younger yeah so i just went toward it yeah and did what i could to try and you know and plays battle that fear plays will do that that'll knock it out of you well, i remember my dad came up at one point he came up to see one play and in I, rochester in rochester and i put him out on when obviously nobody yeah. was there but i put him out on the thrust of the stage and i saw his knees start to shake and oh, I really go, how does it feel and he goes never <laughs> Never. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Did he ever do that? No, I never did that. He was always a TV guy, movie he was guy. Always a TV and movie guy. It's a much different racket, isn't it? It is, man. And I don't know if it's like I don't, I don't, I don't prefer one over the uh, over the other. I just don't. I don't think there's better acting in theater and all that because I've seen theater actors go yeah. to film and they're not good. Right. I've seen film actors go to theater and they're not good. I've seen it d depends. It's but, just another, you know, form of storytelling. No, definitely, but but it's nice to have the chops, isn't it? It's, it's nice, nice to, know, to know that you did something that people appreciated. But it's also nice to know that like, yeah, I can do a play. You know, mm -hmm. I I you know, I know that world. Yeah. You know, like I you know, it's 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 nervous, but I I know how to do that. But that's what I mean with yeah. this day and age. Uh -huh. People don't want to do that. Yeah. They want to just be they want a lot of likes. Yeah, a lot of likes, they and they feel just, that heart. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? Not, a lot of them don't really last, and sometimes they last in a world that you know you or I don't know about or give a shit about necessarily. Mm -hmm. I, you know, there's all these different worlds. There's all these different little niches. But niches, exactly. In, I, you know what? What are you gonna do? There's no stopping it. The cat's out of the bag. It's over. <laughs> but you're doing it. I mean, look at you're in your garage right sure, now. I'm talking. I'm looking at the list of people you've been talking to. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how do you pull this one off? Yeah. All right. So let's. So okay. So you do all this stuff. Where'd you meet Benicio del Toro? I did a an episode of that Private Eye series with oh. him. And you guys have been friends since? Uh, I can't say we've been friends oh, yeah. since, but we've appreciated each other's company since. Well, are there any guys that you know in the game that you are friends with in any regular way, or are you just Sean? Yeah, probably Sean. Um, 
Benny, who else? I mean, I, I, that's the thing with this business is you, you have a lot of people that yeah. come and go. Yeah. So there's, a, you know, Nick I was close with, Mickey Rourke I right. was close with. And, you know, I still talk to Mickey through Instagram now, which is fucking hilarious because, <laughs> you know, you go back enough years and <laughs> yeah. these people wouldn't even touch something like that. Right. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of people that I, I, I appreciate, a lot of people that I've worked with because I've done a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, but no, man, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't hang out in the right places. I don't hang out with people in general. Like I, I, it's like, it's, what are you going to do? Yeah. Plus I had kids early. How many you got? You have four? No, I got two. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I got, I got a almost 30 year old and a 25 year old. So yeah, I had kids very early on, which that's a responsibility. That was great. That's yeah. the greatest thing that ever happened. I didn't have any. It's over. You did? No, you, I didn't do no? it. No. You could still do it. I, that's what people tell me. Well, they can. Yeah. yeah. I know I know people that have done it. You know that stuff that comes out? Yeah. It still works at it 54. It does? Really? That's it's, so it's gross. Lively. I just grossed myself out because <laughs> I was looking at you in the eye when yeah, I said that. Yeah, it's a very intimate moment. It was weird, but it was okay. It does. You can. I mean, look, it, it's it's a different deal now. How'd I they mean, turn out? Women that... Amazing. Really? Really amazing. Despite you? Despite me. <laughs> Despite me, seriously, <laughs> but I think that I've uh, I think that they appreciate me now uh, more being adults themselves. I'm happy they turned out good. Yeah, thanks, man. You worked with a lot of like I think that like it seems like I think flirting disa- with disaster that was a ballsy movie it was a for good you. Movie. you. It was a good character. You were well, not chipper. for me. I mean, I would have done it. I would have done it had it been any other movie. No, no. I mean, just being chipper and gay. It was nice. I yeah. liked it. Yeah. That's the kind of shit that I like doing. Yeah. And then, because uh, I could tell, like looking back at it, it, was probably a stretch at that time. It was not a stretch in my acting experience. It was a stretch in film. Mm-hmm. I had done a lot of that shit on stage. Uh huh. And so, did you? And, and I like that movie. I love that movie. I love that director. Yeah, he's great. And I became, you know, David O. Russell. Yeah, really good friends. Did you do another movie with him? No, we talked about doing. There was a series that I had written that he was going to do, and then the kind of the thing fell apart, and then Uh we kind of redid it in a whole new different way, and then we may do it next year. But I don't think he's going to be involved. But we'll see. And like, what when you put together? Let's let's talk about craft a little bit. Okay, you ready? Yeah. (laughs) Because when you like the difference between like no country and and w but also but like uh, and milk and but then like hail caesar which i fucking loved oh good i fucking love that movie i'm glad and i i got mad at people online who said it wasn't a great coen's brother movie right. I, I i i've 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 made the argument that it might be their best movie really yeah but people the coen people they're just sort of like nah and i'm like you gotta watch it better yeah it's you all, gotta watch it better. Yeah, I like that. It's all in there. Yeah. It's do you think all it has anything to do with the fact that you're Jewish? Because uh, it had that kind of, you I, know. But they've been they've done more Jewy movies. Oh, way more. I mean, the, yeah. The, I mean, yeah. I didn't I didn't get that. I I kind of got that feeling. Yeah. But I thought it was more like a, a. It's almost like a. I mean, I'm curious. I don't know why it did well or didn't do well or whatever. I thought. Know? Well, what what I loved about it is is I like the old Hollywood stuff. I like that they put so much effort into staging things yeah. the from a different era that were that were really you know kind of uh, popular entertainment yeah. and to see what went into that yeah. you know behind the scenes that musical number even mm-hmm. though it was tongue-in-cheek it and was the, amazing the esther williams bit like all that stuff where, yeah. you know the noel coward bit like that to me was like history yeah, I agree. and then to have the subtext of the jesus story and your your sort of strange burden in life yeah uh 
and then just the the sort of points of departure from real Hollywood stuff. I just I liked the whole thing. I yeah, thought it was too. a whole universe, and I thought they handled the. I thought they handled the 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 communist thing better than that movie that uh, Cranston was in. Yeah, you know, and it was sort of a comedic approach to it, but it was like I mean, it was a satirical approach, satirical. almost almost a parody. Yeah, but, but it was to me, it was smart. more yeah, really smart. Yeah, and that kid Those who played the cowboy. Smart. I mean, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Oh, that kid was amazing. What? And that you know that kid. It's so funny because that's like I experienced that a little bit about like it's right around the corner for you, man. Yeah. You right. know, yeah. and that's kind of what he's gotten. And he's like, I mean, you look at his acting and different thing that he's that he's done. He mm-hmm. did that thing with Warren Beatty, and he was great in it. He's just always great. Yeah. But the movie is like, first of all, when they offered me the movie, I was really surprised when I read it. Um, but they know you. They they know me, but I know that they were kind of asking around to see if I could. If I was going to be good with the dialogue, uh-huh. I mean that's very Cohen's. Like, there's yeah. no pretense with the Cohen's at all. Yeah, at all. Yeah, you know, and and there's no compliments. There's no any of that. Yeah, it's just work. Right, and there's smart work. <laughs> yeah, Wait, maybe I, do I have my phone? Anyway, I, there's uh, there's funny text because that, like I'm doing this George and Tammy movie, and I and I asked uh, Joel. I said, "Are you interested in revisiting this as a director?" And he said, "Yes, I'm I'm interested in revisiting it when it's finished." <laughs> <laughs> you know he can't yeah. just say no yeah, or yeah. say something kind right. you know but those guys you're doing very... George Jones and Tammy Wynette movie is that what that is yeah. you're playing George yeah. who's directing that um, a guy named Tate Taylor are you shooting it already no not yet how's the script really good Abe Sylvia really good Jessica Chastain is playing um, oh my Tammy god Wynette. that's gonna be great I hope so do you think you can act drunk yeah. I've done a lot of research. I've done some. Right. So tell me. So okay. So they're they're looking around. Yeah. Uh, uh, for other people to play the part. Is that what you're telling me? No, they're looking around to see to, to, to I don't know get some kind of uh, affirmation yeah. that I can play that part. Huh. Um, and then I heard I heard that they were and then I called them and I was like, what the fuck are you asking other people for? Like you know me. Yeah. Like not only do you know me professionally, you know me personally. Yeah. Just ask. I did like, a big movie. Tell me for your you. fears. Remember the movie I yeah. did for you? I did several movies. I've <laughs> yeah. done three and a half movies. I've done No Country, True Grit, oh, yeah. and Hail Caesar, and I did a short for them that was for the 60th anniversary of Cannes. Uh huh. So I've worked with them a lot. Yeah. I'm very fortunate, and I don't really understand it given my personality why people would want to work with me more than once. Uh huh. But I've been very fortunate, like Oliver Stone, I've worked with twice. I've yeah. worked with, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that way. So what what exactly did they say when you said why are you asking around what do you what do you need to know nothing 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 yeah no that's what I'm saying there's yeah. no story there yeah there's never a story with the Coens <laughs> there's never a story well how do well so what now I've talked to uh, Walter Hill in here I've talked to a few directors not many right. but like what's their approach to you what do you, do you just do all the work. I mean, because that character, like for me, it was very, like you had to make certain very distinct choices because it is a comic character. It is not like, you know, you can't just blow out. You know, it was a guy that sort of, you know, uh, he had a, a burden. He was very conscious of the burden. With every movie, there's something, there's what I call the hook. Yeah. And you look for the hook. Yeah. So 90% of the research, research that you do yeah. is for nothing. Yeah. But 10% is your ability to be able to delve into, and for me, and this all sounds pretentious, but- No, it doesn't. With, to me, when once you find that hook, yeah. then you start to saturate yourself. Then the whole world opens up. But it's- the the ninety percent 
is you embarrassing the shit out of yourself and trying to find that thing. Yeah. So I did a lot of stupid kind of meanderings with that character. And I remember I was doing a voice and I was looking at Abbott and Costello uh-huh. and I was looking at like New Jersey and I was, you know, I didn't know a, you know, should talk like this or should we, you know, talk like this or, you know, when it's the same thing with True Grit. I was doing True Grit and I came in there and I started rehearsing and that, that character I was kind of doing like this. Yeah. You know, he's badass and he's going to kill this little kid. And he said, and we all looked at each other and we just went, it's not working. Right. You so got to take go, the chance. You got to take yeah. the chance. And yeah. Basically acting is, you know, feeling like an asshole 90% of the time. And then 10% of the time you find that, but you have to be willing to take the leap to be embarrassed and to feel totally off camber in order to find that thing. So. I was doing voices and then I'd send them a voice and then they'd send me back a comment like, you know, we love the, we love this phrase, but why don't you work on the eyes or why don't you work on the, this, these verbs? And then I thought, are they fucking with me? Are they just playing or that, which is very, very possible and still possible. And they would never admit it to me, even if they were doing that. But I finally found this thing, this tone, and then I sent it to him, and they were like, that sounds pretty close. Huh. You know, and then we start talking about the dress and how he dresses, and does he change, and how often does he change, and, you know, does he have a tick, does he have a thing, like W, you know, we did this eating thing with Oliver, and we just decided on set, like, he he needs to be utilizing his hands all the time, or have something in his mouth all the time. Why? I don't know. Yeah. So those are those are things that happen with the uh, you know with the collaboration with the work, yeah. But like that, it sounds like those two guys like you know they don't he, he Cohen's don't expect you to show up a full package. They need to work you a little the bit. Cohen, the Cohen no because the Cohens the, what the Cohens do really well is they cast really well. Yeah, they're just good at it. Yeah, so they don't have to do what other directors I've felt do, and that's they're going to mold you and meld you into this thing. Yeah. They go, you're the guy. So that whatever whatever they do up to that point is the torture that they go through. I know with No Country, they saw everybody. Yeah. And I sent them a tape, and I was doing a Grindhouse with Robert Rodriguez, and I said, I can't show up at the Coens thing. Can you help put in you know, Can you make this tape for me? Yeah. And Robert said, why don't we just use the camera that we have, and we'll do it on set. It was with a million-dollar Genesis camera. <laughs> yeah. And then Tarantino came in and directed it, and Robert shot it. <laughs> And then we sent these scenes from No Country yeah. to the to to the Coens, and then they saw it, and their response was, "Who lit it?" <laughs> and there was no comment about me or that. So I was a no. I was an immediate immediate no. And then they went through more of a process of not finding the guy who they felt for you know however whatever aspects they were looking for of of a guy of a normal guy or somebody who represented whatever they saw yeah. in their heads, and then finally. Um, when they were going to choose one dude and I got in there that morning that the day that they were going to choose somebody else. Yeah. And I walked in there and I did six scenes. I, I was very lucky. Michael Cooper was my agent at the time and, and he got me into that room and, uh, I did maybe four scenes with him with a full Texas accent. And, and then I sat down with him and I talked and Joel just stared at me the whole time. He never blinked. He never was like he was dead he's the tall one he was the tall one yeah and then the little guy ethan whose books i had read i had read his book of poetry i'd read his short stories yeah we started talking about that and then he said well let me interrupt you for a second and i said yeah and he goes can you do a texas accent i was like well i just i just did and he was like oh good good okay well good 
So I left and I thought, fucking fantastic meeting those guys. Big fan. <laughs> yeah. That's never going to happen. Right. And then I got a call at noon that day saying from Joel and Ethan saying, would you be interested in doing this part? Yeah. And I said, let me think. <laughs> Get back <laughs> yes. to you. Yeah. It was a hell of a part, huh? An amazing part. Amazing part. Amazing movie to be involved with. And talk yeah. about something that wasn't precious at all. I mean, Deacons, Mary Zofri's doing the costumes. Everybody's at the top of their game. Yeah. And there, again, there's no pretense. Yeah. There's no bullshit. There's no pretense. There's no ego. Uh-huh. None of it. What was that guy's hook? Um, there was a guy. There's a guy. It's funny because I was just up at my ranch and the rains came and I got we got locked into the ranch because yeah. we have an Arizona crossing. So when the rains and when the water comes, you can't cross that crossing. Uh-huh. So you're stuck on the ranch. Yeah. And we started to, you know, uh, the, there was no food. <laughs> so I called my buddy Rick, who lives down the street, who used to be on my ranch. He used to live on a trailer in my on my ranch. Yeah. Where is and, this? Uh, in Paso Robles. Yeah. And I said, you know, we might need some food. He goes, hey, man, no problem. You know, we'll get a, a backpack and a piece of rope, and uh, I'll throw some uh, fiddles over to you. And I was like, great. So that was, the, that was the hook, was Rick. Rick, we were doing a scene, me and Carla Jean, and we were doing a scene in the trailer looking at the TV, and we were looking at each other when we were rehearsing the scene, and there was just something that wasn't working. And I went to Joel and Ethan, and who the fuck am I to say anything at this uh-huh. point? But I was just like, something's wrong. Something's off. And they were like, they, they said, no, it's fine. Yeah. And I said, yeah, it's fine. Fine's not really enough. And then we talked about it and this and that. And then I thought of Rick. And I thought Rick would never look at his wife. Right. You don't look at your partner all the time. Yeah. You look at everybody in acting. When you're yeah. acting, you look at everybody in the eye. When you're in life, you don't really do that. Like right. I'm talking to you. Half the time I've been looking at my water bottle. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just natural. Right. So then we just, if you look at the scene, we're both looking at the TV, talking to each other like that, but looking that way. And it, to me, it made the scene. Oh, yeah? That was very Rick. And, and, and that, but was that a personality thing that came through the whole thing? Like is, I think is, so. Is the hook something that gives you a portal into somebody's character? Yes. Right. And it was Rick. And I don't remember, it was Rick. Yeah. And then whatever came out of that. The, yeah was based on that thing. Right. And then, that they, may have nothing to do with sure, him ultimately. Sure. But you let the script in, you let the story in, and you start using that Just that, give that me window. some v- visceral visual that I can click into that I can always resort to no matter what. Yeah. Knowing that that's, a good, that's the foundation that will always suffice. Yeah. That, and that, then anything beyond that is up to my imagination and up to my skill as an actor. And what about the Hail Caesar? What was the, what was the hook? was um the voice oh yeah it was the abbott and costello thing who's the bigger one is that uh, costello lou costello hey abbott lou lou the lou. fat one the fat oh. one no 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 nah. the bigger oh, the, the taller oh, guy oh yeah the taller guy yeah it yeah. was him because we had there was three other and i'm trying to remember it was like my mother was one my mother and my aunt because my mother had a really really deep voice uh-huh from texas yeah talk like this oh really so it was kind of like that tone mm. and then there was the abbott costello thing and then there was michael shannon i remember i thought of at one point um but a bunch of different voices and then something so you start out. with the voice on that one with that one that's i mean wild. it could be a walk it could be uh again it's like i don't it sounds lame to me when i talk about it because literally i'm it's walking around and i'm talking to doorknobs i'm talking to because i don't hang out with a lot of people right so I'm I'm just trying to be as open as possible. And then with Hail Caesar, I rented a black box theater and I had all the actors come down and rehearse before we started the movie. 
and it wasn't really directed by me, but I just wanted to be able to have the banter, the banter. Yeah. And then, because I was nervous, I yeah. was nervous. And everybody's willing to do that for you. Everybody, everybody. Yeah. Except for George. George. Clooney. Oh, really? He didn't come down? No, I didn't ask him. Oh. <laughs> he's too big of a movie star. Is he? Yeah. No, he's not. No, we've- He seems like a nice guy. Really nice, man. Really, really and nice. with with uh, with uh, uh, milk Dan, with Dan White, that guy's name, right? Yeah, he's a real guy, real guy. So, did you look at him? I was really fortunate because there was a cop that knew him really well that had a tape that not a lot of people had heard. Uh huh. A confession. Oh yeah. And so, oh really? Only a handful of people had heard that. Oh, so wow. I was doing all the research. I was doing all my stuff that was meaningless, and then I heard that, and that was all I needed. I remember him talking. I mean, nobody really understands this, and yeah. should they? But on the confession, he yeah. was talking about how his fingertips were hot after he had shot Mayor Moscone and was walking over to shoot Harvey Milk, yeah. and how he remembers his fingertips being hot. I thought that was such a weird yeah. thing. And I remember I asked Gus, because we didn't have, we had him shooting Moscone, and then suddenly he's walking into Harvey's office. And yeah. I said, you know, there was that great shot that you did in Elephant where you follow the kid through the whole school. Yeah. I said, I think that it kind of deserves to be here, yeah. is to follow Dan White's face from one end of the, the yeah. city hall yeah, right. all the way to the other. Because was there a moment that he thought about running? Was there a moment that the consciousness of knowing what he had just done and was he sensitive to that? Was yeah. he not sensitive? Had he cut himself off? Was he so resentful at that point that there's just a determination to do as much harm? What I loved about that character was this. He was so weak yeah. that his only resort or his feeling was the only thing that he could do to, to, to create an impact was have a gun, load a gun, point the gun, shoot the gun, and kill somebody. And therefore, he had an impact. Right. Like, that's how... He was completely impotent totally, other than that. Right. Totally. He felt so impotent at that point, and not to justify what he did, but psychologically, that's so fucking interesting to me. Right, because, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not even rage. No. He, he just wanted satisfaction. Just let me have an impact on something. <laughs> I mean, that's gnarly. So coming from a guy in high school who was yeah. interested in getting a laugh <laughs> to shooting one of the greatest fucking people that, that uh, you know, that created a movement in, in San Francisco. And that was quite, Sean did quite a performance he there. He was so good, man. Yeah. He was so good. And what I love about Sean, working with Sean, we both pace a lot. Yeah. And, you know, you think it's going to be precious and, you know, I, I don't know, I'm going to work with Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. and he's going to be in character the whole time. And right. me, I find it much more freeing to do the opposite. Yeah, not be in character? Yeah, to literally be as distracting as possible to everybody yeah. in my vicinity. <laughs> yeah. So I can delve into something when we right. do the scene. That's for me. Yeah. And... uh Sean was kind of the same way, so it was fun working with him. Yeah, I feel like I didn't make it clear how much respect I have for Sean Penn as an actor, and you know, and I was certainly willing to read the book, and I and I did make it through most of it. But like the the thing that I wanted to have is a conversation like this, and I feel like I just got him at a juncture in his life where for he seems like you, you know I don't know uh, how consistent he is with you know his his you know how he feels about himself, but he just didn't he wasn't going to do it. 
Right. He wasn't going to talk about acting. He didn't want to act anymore. Right. He saw he was he he you know it didn't serve him anymore. And I didn't believe a fucking word of it. There you go. There you go. You didn't believe a fucking word of it, which is, I, you know, th- those are pe- you probably should have said that. Uh huh. Because then, then there's an honesty, and then there's a there's a road you can go down. That's that, he's that's, tough, that's man. more substantive. Yeah, but he's you tough. Know what I mean, he, I don't feel that he was willing, like because there was a moment there where he was funny and he said something about Nolte of all people. Where, where I saw a moment yeah. where I'm like, fuck, why can't I talk to that guy, the guy who said that? Right. You, you know what I mean? No, I do. I know what you mean. I love talking to people like that. Because I, I, I told him Nolte had been on the show, and yeah. all Sean says was, he found it? Yeah, he found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, you. but you got to know, when we, we, Sean and I did Gangster Squad together, and we all had a reading, and Jeff Robinoff, who was war- running Warner Brothers at the time, you know, wanted to do a, yeah. a reading for, for, the, for the big wigs, for the suits. And I was sitting next to Sean doing the reading, and Nick had come in. And, and like halfway through the reading when Nick was like, he was mumbling all his yeah. shit to himself and, and, and Sean looked over at me or he kind of leaned over to me and he goes, that's going to be you later. <laughs> I was like, fuck you, man. <laughs> See, he is funny, isn't he? He's extremely funny yeah. and he's very, very smart. Yeah. Man. No, I can you know, tell he'll that. go down this fucking labyrinth that you go, where the fuck are you going, man? Yeah. Right. And then he'll come around and make a point that's an extremely intelligent point. Yeah. But you just have to be willing to, to hop on the magic carpet ride in order to get there. Yeah. And what I look forward to is the future. If he hates acting so much or whatever that is, then fucking keep writing. Yeah. Keep writing and see what happens. Yeah, actually I, develop as sure. a writer. I'd like because him to I think it he's up. yeah, he's smart enough to be able to do it and I think that I think he enjoys it. Yeah, I, I, if well, you I, don't enjoy acting then fuck it. Like I don't enjoy acting particularly, but I do enjoy the result and I enjoy the people I work work with. I think acting is a pain in the ass. Really? Totally. Why? Because of the repetition. Well, I've the seen, I remember people even in high school. And yeah. they, you know, you'd do a scene and, you know, they'd go, fuck yeah. Uh huh. Fucking nailed that. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I've never had that feeling ever. <laughs> ever. About like, a, what is that? About anything? No, no, no. I've had that feeling about other things, yeah. but I've never had that feeling about acting. Yeah. And then you see the result and you go, and I have the ability to be able to go, wow, that worked. Right. Or that's a good story. Well, I guess the question is, like, those guys that you saw say that, and uh, did they nail it? Well, oh, no, not, well, what is nailing it? <laughs> what is, I don't even know what that is. Like, you made somebody cry? No, I, or no, or like, you made somebody laugh? It just all or, worked. It just worked. I love yeah. the, Gary, the Gary Shandling thing when, when he finally, like, the whole, the pinnacle of his thing was to do The Tonight Show, and The right. Tonight Show is whatever, and then he did it. And who was it? Bob Saget was backstage Saget, in the wings yeah. waiting for him. And he goes backstage and he goes, what am I going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking narcissistic, <laughs> sensitive. And we're all like we're that. Done. We're all of different it's versions done. of that. I know. You know? So, oh yeah. And also I wanted to, like, I've watched American Gangster many times. I like that movie. Me too, man. I thought you were good in that too. I liked working with, with uh, Den- Russell and Denzel. Yeah, those guys are powerful. You know, it's nice because when I'm in New York... Yeah, you know, if there's any like, it, it's usually the 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 black people in New York. Yeah, 
that the you know African that Americans know that, that that they appreciate me for oh. whatever reason. Oh yeah, like you went fucking head to head with Denzel, yo, yeah, yeah, yo, <laughs> you know, and I love that. I love that. I like my my contingency. Well, uh, well, Ethan Hawke talked to me about Denzel about working with him, yeah, like how he back. right, but he said that he literally watched uh denzel movies like football players watch game movies yeah yeah, yeah. because he he just knew that if he didn't show up ready yeah he was gonna just get trampled yeah 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 yeah. denzel and i had a moment oh yeah oh yeah we had a moment where we were we were rehearsing and he didn't come to set right away yeah and then ridley was like trying to get him to set and then he got to set he didn't know that he'd been asked to come to set and then we were rehearsing yeah and then i put my i forgot a line during the rehearsal and i put my hand on his shoulder and he hit my hand off and he goes don't ever fucking touch me and i was like i remember i had that moment where i go is this the character (laughs) or is this denzel or is denzel mad at me right (laughs) and i looked at him and i smiled and what I thought is, holy fuck, I'm going to scrap with Denzel Washington. Right. Like, I'm a scrapper kid. Yeah. Totally willing to go to the pavement. Yeah. And, like, I'm going to fight Denzel Washington. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. I was actually really happy about yeah. it. And then uh, and then it didn't happen. And then we just kept going and all that. And then we did another scene that was MOS, no sound, big wide shot. Yeah. And and he we had to come up and look at each other. And even though we had dialogue, there was no reason to say it because it was such a wide shot. So we just kind of stared at each other. Uh-huh. And we were looking at each other in the eye. And he wasn't smiling. And I wasn't smiling. And then I finally looked at him and I said, I think I'm falling in love with you. <laughs> and, he fu- and then they yelled cut. And he burst out laughing. And we've been buddies ever since. But there's a, like a respect. And I get it, man, because I come from a culture of massive ribbing. Yeah. And and you have to be able to take and give that right. before there's respect given. And then once there is respect given, there's incredible loyalty. Right. That the friends that are left that I grew up with, there's an, an immense loyalty. I mean, the, the, they'd all walk through fire for me and, right. and vice versa. You've, you've passed the tests. You've passed the tests. It's test. so funny because when you tell me that moment where you touch him and he goes, don't you ever fucking touch me? Yeah. I, I immediately, my first reaction would have been like, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But you didn't even think that. You were no. Just a- <laughs> no, man. It was like my whole childhood just like resurfaced. I was like, fuck. I'm going to fight with Denzel Washington. This is amazing. I can't wait. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So let's talk briefly about the superhero movies. Yeah, if you want. Well, I mean, like, you know, uh, you, do you like doing them? Is it like, do you- Well, here it is. The, the whole perception of superhero movies is a sellout mentality. Avengers, right? what is it, Infinity War? Is that what it I is? Have this con- I, have, I have Avengers, if yeah. Infinity War coming out. Then I have Deadpool 2 right. coming out. Yeah. Then I have uh, Sicario 2 coming out. Really? And then I have Legacy of a White-Tailed Deer Hunter that comes out on this. Sicario 2? Yeah. What happens then? The Soldado. Day of the Soldado. Day of the Soldier. So, what? So that must have done all right then, huh? They're making another one. Yeah. And I think, it. you know, if, if this one's good enough, then we'll make another one. And it's you and Benicio again? Yeah. It's just me and, and Benicio, and, and uh, Emily's not in this particular one. She may be in one in the future, but um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, we did it. Wow. How, yeah. how did it feel this time? Good. T- difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a guy named uh, Stefano Salima, uh-huh. um, who did Gamora in Italy. Yeah, and then uh, Darius Wolski, who does a lot of Ridley Scott's movies, shot it. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I think it's good. Oh, great! I mean, I saw it. It is good. Yeah, 
I mean, That's objectively, exciting. I say, would I like that movie? And yes, I would like that movie. And, and when's that out? That's out June 29th. Oh, man. That's exciting. So I don't watch the superhero movies. So you're saying, what were you saying? The sellout? What? what? No, you know, the mentality yeah. of, of, so I went into, you know, Avengers was offered to me probably four years ago when I was doing Everest yeah. in London. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I had turned down a lot of those types of movies. And I, and I, so they sent me a Oh, yeah, Bible. your fingers got all fucked up in Everest. My fingers got all fucked up yeah. in Everest. Yeah. I remember now. I yeah. saw it. The character. Yeah. The character <laughs> lost real. his finger. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. So Marcus Welby for me <laughs> was... <laughs> no, an so, inspiration. So they, it was an inspiration <laughs> for Thanos. <laughs> so I opened up this Bible and I was like, so wait a second. So it's the big purple dude against all the Avengers collectively. Yeah. Bitching. Yeah. <laughs> love that. You're the big purple dude. I love that. Yeah. I don't want to be a superhero. I don't want to be somebody who's yeah. just there. Right. Sure. And and not to you So know, you found that me. an exciting opportunity. I to found act. that an exciting opportunity and then I said, So mocap and how long and this and that and we're gonna do it. So when I first did a little teaser, it was yeah. me in front of like thirty six cameras with thirty six blinding lights, yeah, with a director I couldn't see, and I was kind of bummed I had made the decision. And and I thought, well, that's how it's going to be for the next, you know, when we finally do the movie for, for a year. Ever, for doing, a decade, yeah, for decade of this guy. And, this. and I had turned down other movies based on that kind of thing. Uh -huh. And I thought, you know what? It is what it is. It's all good. Good paycheck. Good. It, it was a good paycheck. Yeah. And, and, and so, so the point is, I had so much fucking fun. And I'm not saying that to promote it because yeah. people are going to see this movie anyway. Yeah. It's... It was like New York, Lower East Side, black box theater, fucking acid infested, completely and utterly left to your imagination with the Russo brothers who come from, you know, film. Yeah. Where every, you know, every direction was like, look, you see The Godfather? So he's got he's got, so he's got the gun to his fucking head, right? Yeah. And he's just about to blow his fucking brains out. So blow his fucking brain. I'm like, holy shit, dude! It's like a Marvel movie, right? So I loved everything about it. Yeah. I loved that it was so unsettling. I loved that I had dots all over me and you know a head cam and the this and sometimes i'd be by myself in a warehouse and there'd be 50 people on computers and i'd be talking to nobody yeah i didn't have to deal with actors half yeah. the time yeah it was awesome wow i would do it again in and did you see the movie second. you would do it again in a second did you see the movie i haven't seen the movie i've seen portions of it which is absolutely like cutting edge amazing and what about deadpool Deadpool was very difficult to do, a whole different kind of comedy that I've never That's done. That's the one with Ryan, right? That's the one with Ryan, yeah. which I think is going to be, you know, it just, I don't know what this means, but it tested in 98 recently. Oh, yeah? And, uh... And, and are you the, like, it's the YouTube? Are you bored talking about this? No. I saw Deadpool. <laughs> you saw the first one? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. Totally irreverent. I like him a lot. I like him a lot, too. I don't think there's any better character, actor marriage that i've ever seen yeah than though than at least it, contemporarily yeah um, between that guy and that character he just gets it man yeah I, 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 the first time i thought that he was a genius was in that that weird movie which who was in it drew barrymore where he wore the fat suit do you remember the movie where he played the fat kid no. and he grew up to be like uh like a record executive no. and he wanted to go you know, uh, hook up with the I girl he was so was fucking good. funny man. you know what i liked was what? the proposal 
Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't like you know rom coms, romantic comedies. But he was good. I thought he was great. Yeah, I can't remember. I saw it three times. I can't remember this. I told it. you, man. I listened to Oprah and I watched The Proposal. Oh, you worked with Paul too on the in Heron Vice. I was. I saw that. I talked to him. I did. You did talk to him. I have. He's yeah. A good, yeah. He's a good buddy. I mean, I lo I love him. That's that's one of those things. Like, a, he's a writer first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. And and I just. Yeah, he's a fascinating brain. He's a fascinating brain, but like he's like when I first met him, like when we got that interview, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to meet the dark genius." Not like at he all. doesn't talk, like you know, he's a mystery man. He shows over him. and he's like he's just like this goofy kid from the valley. Yeah. And I'm like, "You're him?" Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a, like a disappointment. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a there's a guy that I met, Malcolm Lipke, who's a painter, and I've and I've bought several of his paintings and his paintings are great. They look like yeah. turn of the century fucking figurative women and fucking risque and all this kind of shit. And then I met him. And then he goes, hey, I'm Skip. And I was like, what the fuck? Because I thought it was going to be like meeting Nolte. Like, hey, how are you? Would you like to smell my brush? And I'm like, no, man, I'm good. I'm good. I've been huffing my brush for 16 years, man. It works. Try it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it just didn't, you know, it didn't. So you just don't meet your heroes, man. It's you hard. just don't. You don't. But sometimes they, they deliver, right? Sam Shepard delivered. He's a good guy. Sam yeah. Shepard's, you know. But that's the thing. Did you like talking to Paul or were you disappointed? No, no, I like talking to him. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I did that thing. Everybody's with him. human, ultimately. Doesn't it suck? Yeah. No, no, it's 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 sort of refreshing. It is it, refreshing. Wait, be, I before feel the same way. every every before every interview, I'm like, oh, what the fuck am I going to do with it? You know, and then like you know, you walk up and you're like, oh, I know that guy. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but like it happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but some people, you know, they're they're having a rougher go at it. You looked nervous when I saw you, though. Did I? Just for a moment, were you? Well, because I'm this is like you're the first guy in here. Cool. I've spent the morning. I walked across the street to get a guy to stop using a tool. In this my, is important, man. In my new neighborhood. I'm Josh like, Brolin from No Country. What's it called? Yeah, his dad no was man, on Marcus Welby. Dan was on Marcus <laughs> Welby, man. His fucking son's coming right now, man. Can you please stop? So it was that kind of morning. I don't know if I was nervous about I you. Like it. No, well, you just proved that you weren't. It had nothing to do with me. I was a little nervous, you know, but like uh, I just didn't. Here's the, the uh, my projection of you was. Yeah. Like, uh, like, how are you going to show up? Because I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, and was uh, like, I don't. That's something I don't know. Because sometimes people show up as like, yeah, where am I? What is this? Yeah. You know that thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, it's coming. It's going to be okay. You know? Well, yeah. I I called. You know, Liz Mahoney. Uh. -uh. No, she's a publicist. And yeah. I called her this morning, and I said, "You're not coming, are you?" Right. And she said, "No." Because I'd wait outside, and my battery would go dead, and I'd have nothing to do, which I love her for saying yeah but i prefer doing this as if it was an accident yeah do you know what i mean sure i stopped at your house because i had to pee so bad yeah. and i'd get arrested if i peed outside on right. the tree you can't get arrested let me again. use the bathroom right and go hey by the way i got some sound shit in yeah. the garage yeah do you want to go just talk about some yeah. shit i'm yeah. thinking about starting a podcast yeah that's kind of how i'm treating this yeah no I, disrespect but. no 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 disrespect i mean yeah. you, you know you can use the bathroom thanks <laughs> i've drank a full bottle all right I well think wait, i think we're to. good we, you good you feel good whatever man it's whatever good. it's all good i enjoy talking to you it was good you know i feel like you should read a poem now though 
In my craft to sell an art exercised in the still night when only the moon rages and the lovers lie bed with all their griefs in their arms, I labor by singing light, not for ambition or bread or the strut and trade of charms in the ivory stages, nor for the common wages of their most secret heart. Not for the proud man apart from the raging moon I write on these spindrift pages, nor for the towering dead with their nightingales and psalms, but for the lovers, their arms round the griefs of the ages, who pay no praise or wages, nor heed my craft or art. Dylan Thomas. Nailed it. Thanks, man. <laughs> Good talking. Great you. meeting you. All right. His Nick Nolte impression was just killing me. He was, he cracked me up a couple of times. I, it was nice talking to him. Thank you. I hope, uh, I hope it didn't weigh you down at the beginning, but I can't, uh, I can't insist enough that, uh, that, that people, American people, Go see the National Memorial for Peace and Justice and, uh, and then go to the Legacy Museum and uh, understand what this country was built on and where the problems persist. Okay, that's it. Boomer lives! Boomer lives!